Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I am Andy Stewart. And I, once again, am the disembodied voice of Mitch Bain. Yeah, floating around in my head, (laughs) telling me to do bad things. (laughs) Burn them all. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone Uh, hates you. (laughs) Come on now. How are you? I am obviously not here. Well, I'm here, but I'm not there. I'm not with you. You're not with me. No, you're not. You're away. You're gone. You're in the in the ether. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, up the road again for uh, family stuff. Again, kind of like nice family stuff. Right. <laughs> I like that you're always. There's going to come a point though where you're going to have to say something like, uh, "Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was bad family stuff." It was a, it was a dark time. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I always feel the need to reassure people when you use the term family commitments. That it's a nice thing. <laughs> um, but how are you? I'm okay, thanks very much, Mitch. Yourself. Yeah, I am pretty good. You been watching anything this week? (laughs) A few things, actually. Um, Oh, cool, okay. I'll tell you what I have been trying to catch up with is uh, what we do in the shadows. Actually, funnily enough, I was going to talk about this too. Oh, were you? Um, Yeah, I watched the first two episodes, so uh, yeah, we can talk about this a little bit um, together. Okay, well, I've I've seen the first four. Okay, and how are you finding it? (laughs) I'm really liking it. It's managed to keep the same kind of vibe as the the film. Mm Mm-hmm. That was my fear going into it. I was kind of looking, kind of as I kind of pressed play on it. I was kind of looking through my fingers, kind of afraid of what might await. Yeah, but it, I, I, I had a similar feeling. I must say, like I think that like, I, I like the film so much, and uh, when I heard they were making a series, I was kind of like, oh, this could, this could be good, but it also could be a complete disaster. That, and I don't think <laughs> there was much room for it to be anything in between. Yeah, that that was kind of that was kind of the way I was feeling. Um, but I, I, like I say, as it turns out, I think my uh, worries were for not because it's really good. It's really funny, and uh, it still feels familiar, even though the cast is entirely different. Yeah, I think that um, I think that Matt Berry is a great shout for this. Yeah, I, I actually think that the three main character, uh, the three main kind of cast members. Uh, so you've got Kevin Novak, who was obviously he was phone jacker for listeners in the UK, uh, mm-hmm. and he's cropped up in a bunch of other things like Inside Number Nine and things like that. Uh, Matt Berry, who was in like the Mighty Bush, and he was in Toast London as well, wasn't he? He was Toast. He was Toast. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> Natasha Dimitri was uh, Nadja, who I think's absolutely amazing. I think she's brilliant. I certainly she's gone. She's great in the two episodes I've seen. How are you finding it as it goes on then? Because um, I found like I I thought the first episode was okay, right? And I just kind of rolled straight into the second one. I just watched them this morning, actually. All right. And um, yeah, by the kind of the end of the second one, I was kind of well in. But um, I I didn't gel with it immediately. Like I thought, like I wondered if I might. Right. I'm I'm still very much on board. But I'd be very surprised if after this point it goes downhill, considering it's just been picked up for a second season. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if my opinion changes dramatically. Uh, and uh, nice to see Doug Jones cropping up. I think in the first episode as Count Afanas. <laughs> yeah. That's a great looking makeup as well. Like, he looks amazing. Yeah, I think that, like I say, I, I'm kind of well, I'm well on board with it now, and I think that um, 
anybody who's listening that has checked out any of it will know how funny Bat is as well. Yeah, Bat! <laughs> um, also uh, spotted um, Beanie Feldstein in this as well from uh, Ladybird and Booksmart. Yeah, you'll see more of her. Oh, cool. <laughs> On the subject of things, because like, I, I don't have much this week, so before we do the rest of yours, I caught up with the perfection this week. All right, what did you think? Um, so yeah, obviously we touched on this last week, and you were saying that you kind of uh, were you thought it was all right, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was okay. I, I think there's there's things about it that really really work. Mm-hmm, I agree. But uh, yeah, th- there was stuff that annoyed me. I feel like some of the performances were a bit dodgy, and like I say, there was moments of unintentional humor in there. I know the ones you mean, um, and I do agree. I haven't seen it. I think also that I I, I don't think it makes it all the way over the finish line. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. For- nor do I. Yeah. When it's, I liked it because it has that kind of almost kind of black swanny kind of vibe is what I got from it. Yeah. And I really, like, I, I dig right into that kind of thing, as you know. And I think that there was a point kind of uh, around the midpoint in it where I was absolutely riveted by it. Okay. And I think that, yeah, there's, n- not to go too spoilery, but like, um, as I, I guess in the third act, almost a week's passed since I watched this. And I'm still not sure what I make of uh, the kind of rape element. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm not like I'm not. Just, I'm not certain I feel about the handling of that. But some of the actual, uh, some of the actual gore and stuff in this is pretty great. So, so yeah, the perfection. Like I say, I think it kind of stumbles at the final hurdle. But I got quite a lot out of it. It's on right. Netflix now, and um, yeah, I would say to go check it out. But yeah, what else you've been? What else you've been getting through? <laughs> People who listen to this show will know that I gave you a little bit of a hard time on last week's minisode because you fucked up, shall we say, uh, your shortwaves 100 viewing. <laughs> yes okay uh, i feel i need to throw my hands up and admit that i did something very similar this week oh did you okay <laughs> i wasn't paying a particular attention and i uh was scooting about on amazon prime i think and i saw that escape room was on there okay and i was in my head i was going oh that's dead quick and i just pressed play and it turns out it wasn't adam robitel's escape room that was just out oh it was the other one it was one of the other ones for there are a few Oh, Christ. No, they're actually... I know there's one on Netflix that isn't the Adam Robitel one, so there's another one. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, there is another one. And I, I watched it. I watched it all. This is directed by Peter Dukes, and it's from 2017. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the film's called Escape Room, right? And I, I feel that this is a film, Mitch, that would drive you up the fucking wall. Okay, so you're working. <laughs> but So the film's called Escape Room, right? So you, you kind of expect... A film about an escape room to be largely focused on the workings of an escape room and there is part of it that is to do with that um okay but i think when it opened in the desert like somewhere in the middle east and there was these two middle eastern guys burying a cursed object i was gonna say there wasn't a cursed artifact was there There (laughs) well there's this box that's carved into the shape of a skull um which which contain obviously as you can imagine mitch contains a another worldly demon uh so this (laughs) this box is buried in the desert and there's a whole load of shite about how the box will always turn up and it'll always be found and men will always want it and i was like where the fuck is this going how does this in any way tie into an escape room but then they they shoehorn in this escape room company that's uh run by skeet ulrich (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, right. Who is, is absolutely phoning this one in. <laughs> like, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he owns this uh, this escape room called Deranged. Right. Okay. And this is like this is getting warmer. <laughs> and uh, in his attempts, to, business is kind of flagging a little bit. And in his attempts to kind of revitalize the business, he goes into this antique shop, which is run by Sean Young from Blade Runner. Okay. Right. <laughs> and he, right. He, he obviously is having a browse around. Uh, and he, he happens that he sees the box and he really wants the box. He's told it's not for sale. There's a terrible, cringy phone call where she has to leave to go and take this phone call and you can hear her talking to someone saying, yeah, well, I told you, don't get them wet and don't feed them after midnight and stuff like that. Uh, I was like, oh, fuck. This is all in the first 10 minutes. Right, okay. But okay. he, he kind of steals the box and he's off on his way. And then, as it turns out, there's a, a demonic spirit that uh, inhabits one of the characters within the escape room and it turns into this weird... <laughs> tense slasher film with a guy that's inhabited with some demon smoke. Uh, right. And every okay. five minutes, he's got this chain around his waist, and every five minutes, it lets a little bit of chain out, so he gets closer and closer to them. Oh, uh, honestly, it was the biggest pile of pish. Uh, that does sound like the worst thing ever, yes. Uh, but obviously, towards the end, there's a little bit of cliff notes into the demon by Sean Young's character. Naturally. Yeah, so uh, yeah, while in, while in this case, it's not an ethnic minority character or... Uh, uh, an academic it's certainly the owner of an antique shop which i think would slot quite nicely into third place in the list of things that might annoy you <laughs> yeah i'm happy to give the bronze medal for annoying cliff notes things to antique <laughs> shop owners definitely uh, or like trinket store providers <laughs> uh the actors and the writing is pretty much universally terrible Okay. Like I say, Skate Oryx totally phoning it in. Um, <laughs> but nice to see a familiar face in there. And, and obviously, Sean Young in there as well. But it's pretty bad. Uh, so okay. don't make the mistake I made. If you're going to watch Escape Room, be very careful if you're cruising around on Amazon Prime. So, uh, yeah. Escape okay. Room. Uh, not uh, one to yeah. watch. And to be honest, I, ha- I haven't heard massively great things about Adam Robitel's one either. But I thought, in my early morning fug, I thought, maybe we'll just watch this and see how it goes. <laughs> I do have every intention of catching up with Adam, uh, Adam Robitel's one when it arrives because uh, I, I generally like his stuff mm-hmm. and uh, that and you know that premise done right is certainly something that would could work for me. Yeah, well, I mean that's exactly what I thought. I thought, well, I've not heard massively good things about it, but I'm intrigued. I haven't heard massively it. bad things either. Yeah, though. but uh, Medlin is Medlin any better? I don't know. We'll find sometimes, out. Where we'll, we'll sometimes Medlin's worse than going into something you know to be terrible. Like when we watch Slenderman. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, Slenderman's a great example of how uh, mediocrity is worse than something being awful, I think. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I um, I hated that film because it was so dull, but also, you know, it's so it was so plain that there was no constructive way to make fun of it or enjoy <laughs> it on a kind of... Uh, on a kind on a kind of silly level, either <laughs> it was uh, it was just dull. Just, dull is the worst. Yeah, and it is. It's terrible. So uh, is that your lot this week, then? Uh yeah, I think that's plenty. Cool. In that case, do 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 do. Mitch, what's the shock one hundred? You definitely go uh, all in on that when I'm not in the room. That felt that felt very powerful. That felt like, <laughs> that felt like you were digging out yourself. Yeah, also, um, I've started the process of packing up belongings for an imminent house move. Mm-hmm. So perhaps there's a little bit more uh, ambient echo. Ah, lovely. Yeah. I see. Um, so I didn't do the two that I promised I was going to do this week. However, I did watch The Omen, the <laughs> real one, um, uh, which I liked just as much as I expected to. I thought that The Omen was great, um, to the surprise of no one who is listening, I'm sure. I thought that I thought The Omen was quality. I thought that... Um, 
the kind of uh, all for you moment at the start was one of the most like satisfyingly unpleasant things I've seen in the film in a while. <laughs> yeah, it just it worked across the board for me. Um, uh, so yeah, maybe after I finish my nineties horror side quest, maybe a Devil Children side quest will follow. Or just uh, forgotten remakes. Oh, forgotten remix. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That feels like a stretch. No. Well, we'll see. But uh, yeah, no. So um, another one down. Uh, yep. Uh, the Omen off the list. The real one this time. So uh, you didn't go back. You, you, so you didn't go back and watch the the, the remake then. No, the rental had expired by the time we had the conversation, and I uh, I decided not to go down that road again. Wisely. So. Do, 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 do. What have they been saying? It is an absolutely massive feedback section this week across um, a very broad range of topics as well. So big thank you to everybody who's been getting in touch. Um, and big thank you first and foremost as well to Patrick Reynolds, yes. uh, director of Open 24 Hours, Right to Spring, Darklight and uh, Devil's Dolls, getting in touch and joining us last week to talk the Fright Night remake. And um, people have turned up for this one. This is so often the case, actually. Mm-hmm. Because the because the response to this, uh, both positive and negative, uh, was plentiful through the week. So big thank you to everybody that's been getting in touch. Um, and we'll start with some of those, I think. So Dr. Lauren McIntyre at Nodding Goth on Twitter, she was a little bit apprehensive going into this one and uh, came out the other side. Sorry, lads, my mind was not changed. However, you did succeed in making me want to rewatch Friday the 13th Part 3. Highly recommend watching it in the cinema in 3D. It will indeed change your life. That's a great film. Uh, yeah, and uh, and benefits from the three. Um, and uh, I've also got Scared Sheepless on Twitter as well. Uh, Caitlin saying, I have 15 minutes to go in the new Strong Violent PC episode, which I'm saving for some of my drive home. I've shamefully not seen either the original or remake of Fright Night, so I'll probably need to double build them at some point. Bold move. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You could just watch kind of all four. Oh, God, yeah. Fright Night, Fright Night Part 2, Fright Night and Fright Night Part 2. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly that. Yeah, um, no, Caitlin, that would be, um, I think, back to back in them. I think that even though I am kind of okay on the new one and really like the old one, I think that um, a double bill of that would be pretty exhausting. I'd be curious to know how that pans out. <laughs> okay, sticking with Fright Night on Facebook this time, Chloe Rex getting in touch to say, I'm so sorry, I don't understand why this needs defending. Well, I mean, it does, I would say. <laughs> Anton Yelchin, David Tennant and Colin Farrell on good form I thought mm, also don't agree with that also don't agree with that what's not to love and then tagging on oh and Tony Collette can't argue with Tony Collette in this she's generally good in everything and while she has more to do than the mother in the original I could still have taken a little bit more Tony I'm gonna line up behind Tony Collette Anton Yelchin and to an extent David Tennant in this um, I can't, yeah I can't I can't get on side with this Colin Farrell love yeah yeah, thanks for getting in touch, though, Chloe. You got anything else on uh, Friday night? Of course I do. Uh, Cosmic Ray Girl getting in touch to say he actually did change my mind. So, uh, okay. well well done, Padraig. I watched this film back in 2011 and disliked it. However, after a rewatch, realised how magical Anton is. A lot of love for Anton. I think that's valid. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Colin Farrell sucks. Literally. Uh, <laughs> another great <laughs> podcast. And then... Oh, cheers followed that up very very quickly with sorry i need to mention another thing about fright night colin farrell's vampire transformation when he was feeding made him totally look like jaws or was it just me that thought that <laughs> i did not make a jaws comparison what i would say is perhaps his digitally enhanced mouth is even bigger dare i say than the shark's mouth in jaws it looks, I, I just... it looks ridiculous it's preposterous <laughs> now, now she said that though i can't unsee it <laughs> 
Like, it's just that there's definitely, you've definitely got a point. I've got Dennis Extra Atherton, Dens Beans on Twitter. Of course you do. Got in touch saying, when you mentioned all the actors in it, you drew me back in. I'll give this a rewatch. I'll be back later with thoughts. Dennis, let us know how this worked out. Because, yeah, it is. It's undeniably a really good cast. So, uh, be interested to know if you think that that is tantamount to a good or better film. I'm sorry. You you can have the best actors in the world. And there are a lot of great actors in this film. Even down to kind of supporting people like Dave Franco and the guy from Modern Family. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, that guy. But uh it doesn't necessarily equate to a good film. No, um so Dennis, let's know what you think. Yeah. Uh, once you've checked that out. Um I have a couple more things on Fright Night, you got anything else? Yes, Panda at Prettiest Dunn's getting in touch to say I watched it for the first time in advance of the episode because I had nothing better to do and feel it was kinda worth it purely for David Tennant being a fucking treasure. Okay, more David Tennant love. Yeah, yeah. I've actually also, uh, I'll get maybe into this more next week, but I, I started watching Good Omens. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll maybe get into that more next week. Yeah, okay, yeah. Get, uh, get, get a little bank of knowledge on that one, get back to us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for getting in touch, Panda. I have a couple more. Um, Hanny underscore Ray uh, saying, I probably, uh, I probably wouldn't watch this over the original if I had to pick, but I think it's a really strong film. And Salted Popcorn on Twitter getting in touch as well. Oh, am I going to be alone in my controversial opinion of thinking that the Fright Night remake is almost on par with the original? Don't think Tenant works, but Farrell and Yeltsin really do, as do the set pieces. The gas pipe moment is brilliant. Farrell is a shark. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe tying back into um, Alexis's comment there. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, so more love for Colin Farrell here as well. So what I think is interesting here is that there seems to be a massive range of opinion on this, but also people have very specific and very different opinions about what works here and what doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is kind of cool. It's definitely been one of the uh, one of the most divisive films that we've picked, so which is always fun. Yeah, I would agree. Is that your lot on Fright Night? Yeah. Going back a few weeks, I have two on Lord of Illusions. Yeah, I saw that Lord of Illusions had reared its head again. Yeah, episode 51 uh, with Jonathan Barkan, of course. Uh, Darren Gaskell getting in touch. I got around to re-watching Lord of Illusions after it was featured on Strong Violent PC a few weeks ago. Quite enjoyed it. Yes, some of it's bollocks, but there are some good ideas in there, and a few of the set pieces are really good, and there's some trademark Barker ickiness. So I'd be curious to know again about this, um, which cut Darren watched. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think that like that was definitely one of the ones where the conversation was kind of illuminating in that it's obvious that um, a lot of the things that seem wrong with Lord of Illusions <laughs> are editing decisions. Um, uh, Darren also got back and immediately added, uh, oh, and Famke Jansen. Of course, Darren Gaskell, a longtime Famke Jansen advocate. Card-carrying fan of the Famke Jansen fan club. Um, Tony as well, uh, Rhubarb and Mince on Twitter. Um, he'd, uh, he'd picked up the Blu-ray for this and sent us a picture of it just saying, looking forward to watching the director's cut in glorious SD. Yes, yes, beautiful high standard definition. <laughs> it's going to be so normal. Yeah. Uh, got anything older? I don't think I've got anything older. You're, you're much better on the timeline of when we did things than I am. But um, okay. meet the Feebles. Okay, that was the, that was the week after, episode 52. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chloe Bestley at Chuckspadina25 getting in touch to say, so I watched Meet the Feebles. Now, I think it was last week, actually, that Chloe had messaged saying that she was interested in watching Meet the Feebles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it appears that that has now happened. Okay, followed through. Good stuff. Yep. Uh, so I watched Meet the Feebles, what I messed up, at times disgusting, crazy-ass film, and I loved it. <laughs> Excellent. So I think. I think... 
I think Chloe actually wrote a blog piece about it as well. Oh, right, okay. Um, during which she alluded to, I think, that she was going to start working through some of the films for some of our old episodes. So if you are heading down that road, Chloe, we'd always appreciate some updates on how you're doing with that. <laughs> and also Godspeed. Uh... Yeah, there's quite a lot of them out there now. So yeah, if you're uh, if you're doing that, then uh, definitely want to be kept in the loop. Yeah, and varying of varying qualities, I've got to say. The films, not so much the episodes, but certainly the <laughs> films. Uh... Yeah, we're kind of hoping that the episodes are good, but yeah, the quality <laughs> of the films are all over the map. Yeah, better than everything in there right um the uh biggest throwback comment this week however hands down goes chelsea burden right okay uh, on twitter circled back to an old episode of strong violent pc today as i recently watched rawhead rex for the first time <laughs> good lord episode four Ooh. um uh, she just said, I gotta know, did you get any other priests being pissed on recommendations from listeners at the time? Short answer, Chelsea, no, we did not. No, we didn't, but perhaps that's due to just not many films being out there uh, yeah, with priests it's, being pissed on. It's a chronically underserved subgenre, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have anything else? I, I do. Slugs. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Dr. Lauren McIntyre getting in touch, getting a lot of airtime this week, getting in touch to say she's caught up with the episode and is similarly freaked out by the lettuce thing. The lettuce scene in Sean Hudson's book is the only thing I ever read that made me dry wretch. It haunts me oh, to this day. Wow, okay. that's an, that, that, There's an interesting question, actually. Something something that you've read that made you feel sick. Um, I know the, what yours is, because you've told me before. Yes, uh, yeah, I have one. Um, I uh, the, the short story Guts from uh, the Chuck Palahniuk book Haunted made me slam the book shut, and I was halfway to the bathroom because I thought I might vomit. Lovely, lovely. Um, it's uh, yeah, I think I think it's actually like it's it's absolutely revolting, but I think that it is a skill to just to just have something in print that can elicit that reaction from people. Yeah, I remember there was something in, pretty sure there was something in Graham Masterton's book Feast that gave me the gack, but I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. But I, it's a book that since first reading it years ago that I've always treated with suspicion. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe it's due a reread. Um, maybe, but um, I'd like to open this one up to the floor. Um, I'd be curious to know what other people's are of these. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've read anything uh, in a book, horror or otherwise, that um, kind of made you almost feel like you were going to be physically ill. <laughs> or physically sick <laughs> I have one last thing and it's from Tony again but he's uh, on Twitter but uh, it's uh, some constructive feedback All right, okay. um, in which he said great mini episode but minor criticism where in the blue hell was Andy's hilarious what's available to watch soon theme bring it back please <laughs> we'd also like to hear Mitch's 90s side quest sung in the style of sexual harassment panda from South Park stay classy uh, can't promise we'll do both of those things but uh, as for the theme for the streaming platforms that's up to you and not too far down the line I mean, I, I don't want to be seen to be pandering, Mitch. Well, that's it. You can you can retain the element of surprise. Yeah, I'll do it if I'm ready. I, I feel like that was off the cuff that time. I don't feel I have a time to refine it. I don't know. don't know. We'll see. Okay, okay. We'll see. Cool. Um, right, that, that's uh, my lot for feedback. Yeah, I don't have anything else. Okay, in that case... It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Now, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. Yeah. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture on my phone. It will be um, a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out titles, taglines, all that stuff. I will only have just the image uh, to work with, and my job will be to give it a title and a synopsis and describe it to the best of my ability. So we'll also be posting that image on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter so you can play along at home, which a bunch of you did this week. Yeah. Now, the film Night of the Lepus. (laughs) Yes, or Lepus. I'm unfamiliar with the last 
Latin pronunciation of rabbit. Yeah, I'm KG on the nomenclature also. Uh, reappropriated by me is Night of the Dreamins. Not a proud moment. No, not um, your best work. No, I would agree. However, um, other people stepping up to the plate in a huge way on this one. So, uh, Salted Popcorn on Twitter first. Uh, when the sorority girls try to cheer up their housemistress, Pamela Frigidaire, <laughs> things go horribly wrong when someone gets so drunk that they accidentally squash one of her beloved cats. This pushes Pamela over the edge in 1981's slasher hit that was banned for years simply because of its lurid title, Pamela's Pity Party Pussy Pandemonium. <laughs> <laughs> re-released in the 19 re-released in the 1990s as whiskers in the night right okay okay um cosmic gray girl uh, zookeeper Susie paris has devised <laughs> a plan to get more patrons to her zoo she has bred a wolf and bear together to make a hybrid beowulf however beowulf gets a classic case of stockholm syndrome and breaks out of the zoo to stalk Susie. it's 1977's beowulf in paris <laughs> okay that's fucking outrageous. Sure. Darren underscore Gaskell on Twitter. When a kindly old lady's kitty gets very sick, an unscrupulous vet sees a chance to try out his experimental steroid treatment. The feline grows out of all proportion and its homicidal urges spin out of control in 1974's Night of the Giant Furballs, later retitled Big Fucking Cat. <laughs> sure. Um, Andrew Marshall uh, got in touch, semi-pro geek. Um, I really like this one, but also he did it over two tweets and uh, the protagonist's name changed between the first and second one. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. So I'm just going to batter through. Temp worker Hyacinth Eastercrack finds herself visited in the night by a sentient staple remover that bites into her brain, thereafter controlling her mind in the beginnings of the great stationary takeover. Will the invasion be successful or will Pam shake off the domination and lead a fight back (laughs) against the vicious race of office supplies? Find out in 1983's Human Resources, a.k.a. Staple Diet. (laughs) I love Pam. Yeah, I'm enjoying that very much. So, uh, Tony Constantinou. Ah, here we go. Okay. Um, Fresh from the the final installment of the Minceverse. Yeah, the Minceverse is behind us. Yeah, we're looking Um, forward to the future. So what comes next? When widowed island goat farmer Laika Rolling Stone (laughs) decides to to try and find love again after years of solo milking, a chance encounter with Puerto Rican business mogul Demonio Asensio de Cabras creates an unexpected (laughs) spark in her otherwise mundane existence. Taking the toro by the horns, he agrees to a heavily discounted date at his local tapas restaurant, El Bastardo Secreto, <laughs> where she quickly gets to know Demonio. Finding him a kindred spirit, she finally lets her guard down and invites him back to her house for dessert. However, things take a sinister turn at the farm when Demonio begins to act strangely around the livestock. And like I suspect, her new acquaintance could be hiding a terrible secret in 1986's poorly considered low-budget quasi-sequel, An American Chupacabra in Millport. (laughs) Just your average tale of lonely farmers, Spanish charmers, late-night tapas, chupacabras, (laughs) midnight pudding, claws protruding, goats getting mangled, and bitches getting strangled. (laughs) <laughs> so yes there's that scared cheapless abigail klopman loves a good charity shop find <laughs> however her desire for a bargain threatens her sanity and life when her latest purchase a pair of antique curtains appear to come to life at night as the lack of sleep forces her into increasingly erratic behavior her family and friends begin to think she's lost her grip on reality abigail needs to pull herself together before the curtains pull it apart in 1973's drapes of wrath oh <laughs> 
<laughs> the second outing uh, for the title Drapes of Wrath. Uh, yeah, during of course. Pitches. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah, we had Bevan Deadly. Quinn. Yeah, we had Deadly Friend before. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, Chris Salt, Oblong Pictures. Okay. London, England. <laughs> Bo Bells and Bo Bells and Peacekeepers. When music hall legend and master shadow puppeteer Josiah Netherhide dies in mysterious <laughs> circumstances. The stage seems set for Saucy Chanteau's Molly Biscuits and her unscrupulous manager Jack Wetwang to take over the old Vauxhall Variety Hall. But no one knew the sinister secret behind old Josiah's puppeting prowess, and now something is stunning in the darkness in Hammer's justifiably forgotten 1968 misstep, Kilouette. Oh, I like that. So I, I just want to say that um, the, the standard this week, I think, is remarkably high. Incredibly high, and almost universally hilarious character names. I was just going to say, everyone is really killing it with the character names as well. Yeah, I'm very impressed. Very impressed this week. Well done, everyone. I might also all... start giving out uh, an additional prize of nothing to uh, the best character name of the week. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, with that in mind, obviously, uh, everyone is winners in our hearts, but in a more accurate way, there's only one winner. This week, it's going, to be, it? it's going to be Tony, uh, because I like when he does a rhyming end. Uh, yes, I think that that is fair. Uh, yeah, I like that very much. So, that's an American Chupacabra in Millport. Yeah, I, I feel like it'd be a good double bill uh, with Beowulf in Paris. Yes, yeah. So, um, best character <laughs> name? Uh, the one, uh, Wetwang. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Jack Wetwang. <laughs> Jack, Jack Wetwang. Yes. Yep, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. Excellent. Okay, um, okay I was going to say that concludes Mitch's pitches for this week, but it really doesn't. Um, uh, yeah, very good, Mitch. Very good. Yeah, I was trying to sneak out. I was trying to sneak <laughs> out of it there. Okay, uh, so you got an image for this week, then? Yep, it's on its way as we speak, actually, as we speak. Okay. It's probably with you by now. Uh, okay, the Eagles landed. Yeah. Have a look at this one, a little bit different, something a little bit different. Fucking hell. Yeah, busy. Uh, Yeah, that's a way of putting it. (laughs) It kind of looks like the front cover of a Slayer album. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it does look like like something like that, for sure. Um, (laughs) So um, we have a skyline with uh, lightning. Uh, the sky going from uh, red to green, top to bottom. Also got what appears to be some power lines and a big tree. Mm-hmm. In the foreground of the image uh, is absolute pandemonium. There are uh, kind of like bodies that have had kind of like half, are like kind of like half ripped apart. There in the top left there, there's a guy who's like half skeleton basically, kind of from the ribs down. <laughs> There's a massive skull in the foreground of the image that has loads of entrails hanging from it. I think that there's also what looks like a small snake protruding from the mouth of it. <laughs> yeah, there's an emaciated, kind of like a very emaciated looking man facing off to the left in the far right hand side of the image. And there's somebody in the middle who kind of looks like a cross between uh, the demon from The Exorcist and the guy with the eyes in his hands from Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> okay, right, sure. Pazuzu and uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 got you. Uh, yeah, th- and there's another kind of like looming over the top of him is a kind of like uh, emaciated, specterish looking kind of goblin kind of guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, th- I think that that's just about it. I mean, I could continue, but genuinely, I'd be here all day. There's just basically like um, a whole load of um, bodies and entrails in various stages of desecration. <laughs> Okay. Jesus. Okay, I will need. Uh, I'll, I'll. This is gonna be. This is gonna take all my cunning. <laughs> so, what's the plans that you have for this? Oh, uh, the sunshine kid. Yeah. Uh, all will be revealed. Um, I. It's gonna take some time. Right. Okay. Well, leave it with me. What's the space? I've got. I've got some ideas. 
okay. I mean, I, I, I trust you. Actually, no. I, you know what? I am historically unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> especially with especially with kind of vague future plans. But no, leave it with me. But um, yeah, an idea is forthcoming about that. Okay, okay. As for this, though. Right. How did you get on? Uh, this is very tricky. Like, um, I think that there's just so much going on here that it's very difficult to actually slap a structure on it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay. So what I've done is I have picked a very small detail and extrapolated. Okay, yeah, you've walked out from one single detail. I have, yeah. Right, okay, that's fine. The people of a small Rust Belt town are outraged when their famously beautiful views of the countryside are threatened by the erecting of hundreds of miles of power lines around the town's perimeter to serve <laughs> Titan Globoplex, a, multi- <laughs> a multi-million dollar corporation who have recently built a factory nearby. With the town's economy in peril, Mayor Lou St. Michaels resorts to desperate measures. Short on time and options, he breaks into the local heritage museum and steals the preserved skull of the town's founder, Judah Outdoorsman. <laughs> Conjuring with local folklore, he uses the skull to summon a horde of undead soldiers from various points in history from the military graveyard nearby. With the army of the dead descending on Titan Globoplex, the blood starts to flow, and Lou begins to wonder if he's gone too far in 1987's bureaucratic bloodbath, Making a Killing. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> back on farm, would you say? That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. What was the name of the company? Titan Globoplex. Right, cool. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so obviously that's not what it is. It's not. But at first I really thought you were going to get it. Uh, so the film, we'll get back to 1976, and it's Jeff yeah. Lieberman's uh, Squirm. Squirm, okay. And what's yeah. Squirm about? Um, well, I-, I could tell you, Mitch. <laughs> okay. But I think it would be better coming in the words of IMDb regular Claudio Carvalho. Hit me. In Fly Creek, a storm knocks down the power lines, transforming worms into mutant creatures. Mick travels from New York to meet his girlfriend Jerry Sanders and stays at her home with her mother Naomi Sanders and her sister Alma Sanders. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> you with me here? You got the, the, the with, with you so far. You got the Sanders family lineage mapped out. <laughs> yes, thank you. On arrival, Mick has a friction with Sheriff Jim Reston and with Jerry's neighbour, Roger Grimes, that tries to woo her. Soon they find that Fly Creek is infested with carnivorous worms that are devouring the inhabitants, but Sheriff Reston believes it is a prank by Mick. A prank? Okay. That's it. Wow, okay. That sounds convoluted. That That was me trying to parse it so that it didn't feel like I was just reading someone's broken English in an attempt to laugh at them. Right, okay. That's fine. Um, (laughs) Okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, from Claudio Carvalho again on IMDb. Um, uh, fine contribution as always. Yeah. And that concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week. However, that image is everywhere. So get pitching. Uh, tough act to follow after last week. But um, <laughs> yeah, we love we love hearing you try. So moving swiftly on, um, we have got some stuff on the streaming platforms this week. Right. Um, some pretty interesting stuff coming up. So Now TV, um, it's already there actually, but I didn't mention it last week. Uh, now TV has Deadwood the movie. Oh, is that is that out now? Um, I believe so. Yeah, oh. which I think is um, uh, which I think is uh, going to be exciting for a lot of people. Yeah, me. Um, <laughs> yeah, including you. Slim Pickens on Amazon Prime. Right. Uh, not too much going on over there. Uh, Shudder has an interesting thing. Not much in the way of uh, there's a lot of stuff coming to the US one. The UK one's looking a little thin. I'm going to try and get some more information on that. Okay. But um, what we do have starting off on Shudder this week is um, a new podcast that right. sounds really interesting. Uh, Visitations. Oh yeah, I know what this is. 
Yeah, so this is presented by Elijah Wood and uh, Daniel Noah. Both of, of SpectreVision, uh, yeah. SpectreVision, that's right, yeah. And um, uh, Visitations features the two hosts traveling to the homes and workshops of some of their favorite creators in the genre community and beyond. Um, and so they go see them and they delve into their lives, their work, and how they've managed to turn their deepest fears into art. Now, the lineup of guests for this is phenomenal. Uh, got conversations with the likes of Taika Waititi, Mike Flanagan, John Landis, Anna Lilia Manpur, Dan Harmon, uh, Flying Lotus, uh, Panos Cosmatos, a whole load. Yeah. Um, really, really interesting guests coming up on that one. So that's Visitations on Shudder, a new podcast. And uh, Netflix has some good stuff. On the 5th of June, got uh, season two of Happy. All right, okay. Um, which I know a lot of people really like. And um, season five of Black Mirror. Right, okay. Starring um, Miley Cyrus, I believe. Amongst others, yeah, that's right. Uh, season one of them. And um, also Gaspar Noé's Climax, a show, um, a film we've talked about a lot on this show. Oh, yeah. Um, and a real opinion divider when it closed Fright Fest last summer. So um, if you've been uh, waiting for a chance to see Gaspar Noé's Climax, you will be able to on Netflix from uh, midweek. It's 5th of June that that is landing this week. Also some good stuff coming up on the 7th of June on Netflix, including I Am Mother. Right. Uh, which is a science fiction film starring uh, Hilary Swank and Rose Byrne. Okay. The uh, synopsis there is a teenage girl is raised underground by a robot mother designed to repopulate the Earth following an extinction event. The inexplicable arrival of a blood-drenched woman threatens this bond, calling into question everything the girl was told about the outside world. Okay, sounds interesting. Sounds... Yeah. yeah, I think that does sound pretty interesting. And um, I didn't know this was coming, but um, I got a pleasant surprise when I went and checked this out um, ahead of doing this. But um, also, uh, season three of 3%. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you've talked about um, 3% before. Yeah, I love 3%. It's a dystopian sci-fi thing as well, actually. Um, uh, Brazilian production. I think this is a really, really great show, and I did not know that the third season was coming. So uh, so that's from the 7th, which is uh, this Sunday. So well, yeah, then. Plenty snaps. to be getting on with. Yeah, a whole lot of stuff to be getting stuck into there. And well, I suppose all that's left to do now is have a quick look at what's going on this week. And this is going to be a fun one. Good lord. <laughs> so first and foremost, we have a returning guest, which we is always nice. We do have a returning guest, yeah. Um, and well, it was one of our very first guests as well. Actually, we're going all the way back to episode seven, and uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. But um, since the last time, Dementia Part Two. But you also know him from things like Beyond the Gates, The Mind's Eye, and like seventy percent of indie horror films that have been made in the last ten years or so. He's also the director of Shudder exclusive Sequence Break. It's Mr. Graham Skipper joining us again. <laughs> yes, Graham's coming back and perhaps less of an academic exploration awaits us. Yeah, um, so when I spoke to Graham about doing this, he did say that he was going to do... Because Graham's been talking about coming back on for a while. Yep. And uh, he's always said that if he was going to come back on, obviously in episode seven he did The Village, <laughs> um, which was um, a, a really enjoyable but like a pretty serious conversation. I'd like to say, Andy, a pretty academic conversation. So, um, yeah, the chances of having an academic conversation this week are pretty slim. Well, you say they're slim, but I think there's a lot of certainly uh, scientific discussion that we can have about the, the, certainly the accuracy <laughs> of the plotline. Okay. We're going back into sequel territory here, Mitch. Okay, okay, always good. This time the fourth entry in a pretty, I'd say a pretty big, but generally quite poor franchise. Right. We're heading out of the confines of Earth. Okay, always good, always good. And into space... With Hellraiser Bloodline. Hellraiser Bloodline with Mr. Graham Skipper this Friday. That is going to be a time. <laughs> yes, and uh, our first, uh, certainly the first film that I'm aware of, Mitch, where the director has had their name removed from it. So it's an Alan Smithy joint. 
Yes, um, uh, Graham mentioned this. I believe it is the first one that we've uh, that we've done on the show that the director has actually had his name removed from, uh, which uh, just makes me even more excited. So, how are you feeling about this one? Get in touch with us. There's loads of ways to do that. Facebook and Instagram. We are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com. Yes, thank you for that, Mitch. And you can chuck us in your ears wherever the hell you get podcasts. But why not try Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts? Acast, tune in, or Podbean. Podbean, good lads in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah world beaters. Mm-hmm. Just one thing though, I did notice that uh, there's some whispers that iTunes will be getting closed down, so I will imagine there will be some uh, replacement service from Apple. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine so. Yeah, more on that as it develops. Yeah. But in the meantime, all eyes on Friday. Graham Skipper joins us to talk Hellraiser Bloodline. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.